episode of East Meets West to date as we are here to talk about Wrestle Kingdom then the other Wrestle Kingdom featuring Noah New Year's Dash the new beginning has begun all sorts of big things are developing New Japan is properly back it feels like with cheering crowds and they have not slowed down in the first month and a bit of 2023 I am your usual well, your usual host Scott McLeod joined as always by Gab McRobbie the uh for this time, I'm going to say the Gino Gambino to my Kevin Kelly, because that was the biggest development for the first two days, first two big shows. We had Gino back, and then they took him away again. And the, the reveal of it on Twitter, the, the the grand return, literally just him leaving him a voicemail going, right, where the fuck did I go? I don't know where I am. I'm lost. I usually got, usually got the hotel, which was like the Tokyo Dome Hotel, which is right across from the dome. I think the restaurant was like down the street. And then we saw it, the moment they were re- reunited, bliss. Just before you go around of him, Chris, uh, Kevin and uh, Rocky, all happy. I think Kevin was more happier than Rocky was to be reunited with Gino, but that's fine. I, I think we were all hoping to have Gino back. I, mean, I thought it would still be a fight dream. Then I think you shared the light to the tweet where they revealed that. I'm like, it's happening. I we got we got what we wanted. The people won finally. <laughs> this is what I really wanted for Christmas. Fuck everything else. I didn't want a damn Kindle. I just wanted Gino. I didn't want a Kindle. I wanted the Doki Chucky. <laughs> uh, so we had Gino, Chris, and Kevin calling. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom and New Year's Dash they, had, they did have Don Kell to join them for the US title match and they had a Rocky Rare come out to join them for the main event but there's not really much to talk about in terms of official Oiwa and Bolin Oleg had a match that went to a three minute draw as you knew it would go to a draw it's only three minutes but like the look of Bolton but it's hard to, to judge as he's not actually wrestled like the other like, unlike the other it's hard to judge Bolton because unlike the other young lines, he's not wrestling regularly like undercards. You, you see him about the ring, but he's not actually doing anything. And the Antonio Inoki match, I mean, it ended with it ended via the most awkward six and nine you've ever seen in your life between Maccabe and Tiger Mask. So said about that a bit. But the Rambo, that's where everything's at. Oh, the Rambo was fun. The Rambo was always a good laugh. <laughs> yeah. No real surprises on like uh, last year where we had like like Shima and that showing up, but you know we got to see the House of Torture being made to look like dickheads as they are, like evil being eliminated. I think the first, very first guy got eliminated because Rokuramaro avoided Joe and Joe knocked evil off the apron. <laughs> and they, it was nice to see a lot of the guys who like didn't get a chance to. It'd be on the main card, getting properly featured. You gotta see, like, the great O'Kan, Jeff Gall, Piccolo. Piccolo was treated like a big fucking deal, like the big guy just throwing people out. And I actually thought you were gonna make it down to the final few. And I almost got the final 
four I wanted. I mean, we got Shingo, despite the fact he said, uh, oh, I'm not going to be, probably be at WrestleMania or even be in GOPW again. Who comes out number bloody 20 like Cody Rhodes at this year's Rumble? That was absolutely majestic. I was like, of course he's coming out number 20. <laughs> we got Yano. He actually had to put some work in this time on like, his last couple of Rumble appearances where he just managed to automatically qualify. We got the Great Okan, All Hail. Yeah, it's all hail. As we call him now, the champion of the British. And we were this close to getting ELP in there. But no, when show has to ruin it for everybody. Show with the final four. Show with the fourth man. Uh, you know, the only thing would maybe it's better if I couldn't get ELP, I would have sought show out for Doki. And that really would have made this four way a match of the year contender. As I mean, show. Remember when show used to be an interesting wrestler with promise? Beverage Farm remembers. I mean, that's a match we have been saying going Remember, like, we had, we got a few episodes in, had to stop because there was no New Japan because of the pandemic. We came back and we were starting this, like, solo thing for him of, oh, him versus Shingo for the Never Title really showcasing what he could be like as a singles guy. And then, and then he just, <coughs> like, he just took a big shit right on our, right on our collective conflicts. Yep, that's it. Breakfast was shattering, the kettle was shattering. The morning was ruined. You think that's a bowl? You sounded, you know, it's secretly a bowl. It's really a bowl made out of shit. <laughs> Don't you shit my Cocoa Pops and call it Cocoa Pops. <laughs> the other big highlight I remember this is regards ELP. I think it was Hadari. He eliminated him via nipple twister. Which was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> The most El Fantasmo thing El Fantasmo has ever done. But a big thing about this show, and they did it selectively for the next few shows, but now it's properly back. It's been like full time, uh, starting from the beginning of February. Cheating crowds are back. It was only select sections of Tokyo Dome that could do it, then they had to be silent for New Year's Dash. But, you know, I think the biggest thing we can talk about, the thing we've been waiting for for a long time, is the full time return of cheering crowds. And even for certain sections in the big venue like the Tokyo Dome, what a difference it made. Massive. Absolutely. Game changer. God, God get rid of those clap crowds. And yeah, it just, it just made such a difference, especially with some of the other matches we've got to talk about and the, the reactions, even just for people's entrances. Because I think when we look back, and it's obviously a lot of people talk about how this is kind of a the reset button for New Japan, like they're finally feeling like they, how they used to before the pandemic. I think where it's kind of been one night helped and the stacked car, the people that have like Omega and everything helped. I think when we look back on it, the fact that fans were able to cheer and actually make, make noise properly will be remembered as one of the things that helped this Wrestle Kingdom in the end because this is a great card, but usually still felt something missing if this was still a clap crowd Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, this this was... The first Wrestle Kingdom in about two or three. That it felt just real again. Yeah. And really helping with that real feel is they started off in an old fashion that we've used to. They started off with a junior tag team title match on the main card. With Leo Rush and Yo taking on Catch 2 2. And a really hot match. It only went ten and a half minutes, but they crammed a lot in there. Poor fucking Leo Rush. Like. <laughs> Flip that elevated, it's kind of like the big rig bit that said it was an X Factor. He got caught 
on that big like LED RAM, which looked cool. We always like the setup with a long ramp with the screens and everything. First of Kingdom, like it's the most sports entertainment a New Japan setup ever looks when they do Rest of Kingdom. But okay, it sucked for you. Like, his face got open. I think he legitimately like, got a concussion during this match, which caused him to miss the the Battle of Los Angeles. But he apparently, has recently returned during ring action, so that's good. But uh, wasn't the night that Russ was hoping for? Oh god, no, no, he got absolutely battered about the place. It was an absolute dull one. And our first bit of, our first bit of blood for the whole night. But not the last. Yeah, a weirdly bloody uh, Wrestle Kingdom that more than than I expected doing. Also, Mr. Sutton, he would have probably rather not get cut open on the ramp, but there was something about Leo Rush to try to make the comeback for his team and help Leo with the blood on his face that really actually did add to the to the match and the comeback and I went in this I mean I felt like I liked uh, and Leo Rushing I felt like the story was going to say that they were going to win but I, I think in my back of my head if it was up to me I think I liked Catch 2-2 more I would really have liked them to win and then when they did win I think my reaction told me like oh maybe I was secretly looking for Catch 2-2 the whole time because <laughs> you know that when it was a roll up win as well after like so many high spots that's what surprised me that it was like a a roll up that caught it uh, I've seen some people like this, some people didn't like the fact that it was a retention to start off, basically given that it was heels. But you know, I definitely think Katsu two are, are what the junior divisions need for a long time. I don't know how you feel about them still being the champions. Yeah, that's the they actually. I would get my tongue tied here. I would say <laughs> that like Catch two two has been possibly the best bona fide proper long term tag team we've had in the junior division for. At least three or four years, I'd probably say, like, since we had, like, well, Des- Despite and Kanemaru still do things, but I feel like they kind of split apart a little bit recently. Well, of course they did. Suzuki Gun. <laughs> Leave the memories alone. Leave the memories alone. Play, somebody get played my sacrifice. <laughs> I get what you mean because, like, how often. I think the pandemic really fucked the junior division in the, ta- in the tag scene that is. Because how often we talk about how kind of sick and formulate this was like, it's basically made up of like a junior champion was on one side or maybe sometimes they'd have the junior champion also be one half of the tag champs and it was feud, the tag belts we used as devices to further junior title like singles feuds. And I liked like Rapongi Fiki before they sadly broke up and like Bullet Club, uh, Bullet Club's like cutest tag team, Despi and Kanemaru. But like those three teams, and then we had a brief fresh air with uh, the Flying Tigers. But like they were just relying on the same team so often. Felt fail. So having a team like these guys who, like, still haven't actually had that many matches as a two and two matches as a team as most other people. But they've been a real like breath of fresh air. And I was going online to see what has happened, and I think it was just a section here over here in the West that just don't like DJP. So it was the fact that Catch Two Two won. It was the fact that TJP got the win that people <laughs> didn't like. I mean, it is alarming that TJP is like in his forties and looks like a giant emo. Yeah, the phrase—it's not a phrase. One really does apply to TJP because he just never grew out of it. Yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit of little Nicky. <laughs> Get in oh. the flask. <laughs> oh. Do you get things that? garnered mixed responses. The IWGP Women's Championship match between Tam Nakano and Kairi, the first defence of this newly established title. 
Uh, well, on second the card, it was nice to see it sort of be featured prominently on the main Wrestle Kingdom card. This one, this match went five minutes and forty-seven seconds. I think that's the first issue that people have. Massive issue that, but glaringly obvious. That it's like so short. Mm-hmm. To be fair, like we should give the match to because fucking hell, like you've you, you probably got to tell you got five and a half minutes. Okay, let's cram 15, 20 minutes worth of spots into five minutes. Cause you had big, big guys like guy on to the outside. You had these girls giving high angle German suplexes and nearly dropping on each other on their heads multiple times during this match. And then suddenly, oh, quick spear, insane elbow, like matches over. And, you know, and in one sense, like you could tell it was probably because of what who was coming out. This person didn't come out and they still only give it five minutes. I think that would make it more egregious, but it was clearly a match to set up an angle. I know, God, that angle. The angle. <laughs> the angle. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to say about the match still before we talk about the thing that people probably want us to talk about? The, ma- the match itself, for how short it was, as you say, they really crammed what they could into the time. If they'd been given the full time, I think we would have had a genuine four or five star match contender. Instead, we got something that went for less than six minutes. So, for all the, the people that joke, oh, that's a piss break match. Well, no, you wouldn't even be able to make it to the toilets in the Tokyo Dome in that fucking time. No. <laughs> <laughs> not. I'd, I'd, I would recommend people go out their way, go back and watch this. You know, aside from like watching the angle, just watch the match itself and make your judgments on on that because I think especially you know Kyrie deserved more for like our first title defense. You know this brand new championship, but uh, it's not about Kai, It's not about the championship. It's all about money. <laughs> As uh, <laughs> he's money. <laughs> uh, yes, Mercedes money. Uh, Comes out, she gets her new entrance music, which is basically, uh, just, you know, it's just, a, it's just an instrumental song with the words mini. Every uh, so often, she comes out with her hair looking like a mango local kind of monster. And it's, it's, so I was looking at she was ready to wrestle, she was in the heels. And I generally thought, like, are we getting a Hogan at me in a nine situation? Sasha just shows up, or Mercedes shows up and wins the belt right after. He's already had a match, but she comes out. Basically, we knew this was match was happening. Even Kevin Kelly calls out like the worst kept secret in professional wrestling today. <laughs> I mean, God, it was it was one of the worst kept secrets. And then she pr- proceeded to cut a promo, which was possibly the worst thing ever since David Campbell brought the darkness to the draft. <laughs> and you know, it was it was so badly received. Just like David Hockney's mathematics on Saturday Draft Live. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it wasn't the greatest promo, but like it was a case of like, hey, I'm Mercedes Money, I want my match. Uh, and I was yeah. surprised they were going to, I didn't realise they were set up so quickly. Like, we were having a battle in the Valley in February. Like, oh, uh, alright then. Uh, it didn't help that, I mean, she's in heels, but I think some of this blame goes on a carry as well. She's too short to get this move. It may be like a glory special onto a DDT, but Kari goes too low too quickly. So Mercedes just had to take the bump like she's delivered the DDT, but she hasn't. It was that finisher. I was like, wait, what? What the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. It was so 
Shit. <laughs> yeah, so uh, maybe not the best start for uh, Mercedes Mini in New uh, Japan, but again, I'm sure that they're starting this, they're doing this so quickly, they're doing it at Battle in the Valley. The venue apparently was half sold before this, apparently ever since Lena Image came out the, the following day, and this match has pretty much helped sell it out. Uh, so we have a big sell out show in San Jose, one of where uh, one of Sasha's close friends happens to live. And I know there's an IWGP title match happening in Canada, probably against a mystery opponent, but you know, like I know that the IWGP title, you know, and tradition would say the world title goes on last, but really it should be the match that draws people in and people are most interested in. So there's an argument to be made that Kaidi and Mercedes should main event Battle in the Valley. Yeah, I mean, Battle in the Valley will be interesting, but again, there's only one problem that, that's going to keep you from watching it straight on the bat, and that is stop putting things on fucking pay-per-view. I mean, the American things I can have to because like they've got the deal with Fight TV and everything. Uh, so that one I don't mind. It's when they do stuff in Japan that I can't really like. Like Wrestle Kingdom, the other part of Wrestle Kingdom 17 in Yokohama with uh, no events for us anymore, but most people I don't really know that well. And matches that really, like the WWE's brand warfare, don't really have as many stakes as you probably think it does. Especially if it's a Wrestle Kingdom show, which is branded under New Japan, you don't really expect high things in terms of win- wins and losses for the Noah side of things. Uh, and then, yeah, you had like Takataichi Mania being put in view. I know who almost wants to do a junior festival on the 1st of March, which is also apparently going to be on pay-per-view. Like, I pay you seven ninety-nine a month. Stop trying to take more of my money. That's it. Just stop fucking with us. Just give us what we paid for. Batista. Give me what I want. I mean, there's all these rumours about what Mercedes is being paid for her like, different appearances across stardom and New Japan. So I think it's a case of, like, give us as much, trying as much money as these subscribers as we can. We need to justify her salary. We need to put money back in to pay everyone else. We need money. Money. And then there were all these rumours that Sasha, or Mercedes, or could make call Sasha, but I forced to have it, but all these rumours that, because she gave comments on about like people she wanted to wrestle, some people, some of the women that she talked about that she admired in Japan didn't work for Stardom or anything in Bushy Road. They were like, oh, Sasha Banks has heat for mentioning people outside of Stardom at, like, and then there were people from Voice of Wrestling basically saying, no, this, this is not true at all. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, on, the, on the plus side, it was nice seeing on social media, like, she she didn't just appear and that was it. Like, i seen things like uh, LA Dojo stuff and that, and she was there doing the work, so fair play to her for that. Yeah. Yeah, she seems to be, like, really into it when you watch her, her backstage comments. She's really, like, even though Dowie claims, like, oh, yeah, she'll be back. She just needs to get this out of her system. Like, I don't think that's the case. I want to say commiserations to Kyrie on your very short uh, inaugural reign as IWGP. Like, she's the Tyler Bate to Mercedes's Pete Dunne. Because everybody, like, also, Tyler Bate was the inaugural UK champion, but people rarely remember him because then Pete Dunne came in and held it for like 600 and odd days. And then it went to you, Gunther. Thank you, yes. I had a long and illustrious reign as UK champion. Please, please respect me. Ah. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
<laughs> I was thrown off by that. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm basically saying, congratulations to Carrie. I'm, I'm sad that I really had to end because they said there's some big, big stardom show in April. They were speculating they were going to have the match out, but I think it's a case of striking while the iron's hot. So I guess that makes sense. And, you know, again, they're trying to draw as many eyes who aren't regular New Japan viewers as they can. So you could do worse than getting uh, in Mercedes money. Money. <laughs> money. <laughs> so I look forward to, to the actual match itself. Hopefully that will make people forget how shit this ending angle was. But we then had another match that featuring outside talent. We had AEW's FTR, but they may not be AEW's for much longer. Uh, defending their Taijin titles. And I can sum, I will say something about the ending of this match, uh, via the medium of music, if I may. <clears throat> be Shaman, Digital Monsters, Be Shaman are the champions. Be Shaman, Digital Monsters, Be Shaman Tag Team Champions. I said, I said that in a voice note to Grant after I watched this tag team match because I jumped in my head and I wish I had done it on the previous. I thought, Fuck it, I'm gonna cram that, I'm gonna crowbar it into this section somehow. Fair play. You said you were gonna do it, you made it work. Well done. I found a way, somehow. But yeah. Also, this match was just 10 minutes. I felt like the first few matches, like, and you knew the TV title wasn't gonna last very long, it was like, you've got a 50 minute time limit, so that'll be very fast paced, but, Jesus, like, uh, most of this card, didn't crack 10 minutes. Like the first match they cracked 10 minutes was the Fatal 4-Way for the Junior Belt. I know, it's so, it's so wild when you think about that. It's like, wait a minute, what? But this is Wrestle Kingdom. I know. I mean, we've got... It's, it's like they suddenly realised, shit, we've got so many matches. Like, Kenny... Like, you said, Kenny and Okada don't wrestle for... You know, get out of bed for any less than a 30-minute match. So, there's an hour of our show taken away, plus entrances... Fuck it, get these, like, we booked a women's match, fucking give them five minutes. That's it, it's like, everyone, ten minutes here. You get ten minutes. Everybody gets ten minutes. Even you. those guys? Yeah, Mm. even you, Kijimuto, I don't care. I don't care if you're retired. Nah, you claim you're retired. Fucking retirement tour's going on as long as fucking Elton John's. I know. Even Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton joke about him actually not retiring, and it's like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if this retirement sticks. Yeah. Are you joking? Like, he'll keep this retirement tour going because he makes more money that way. It's like, who else do we know that's, that kept on saying they're retiring but kept on coming back? Hmm. Wasn't Terry Funk? <laughs> David Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> But going back to the IWGP tag title match, I think we knew that whoever wasn't going to be in the in the spot against FTR, they were going to take the belts because FTR seemed to be on this tour of dropping all of their belts before deciding where they were, whether or not they wanted to stay with AEW, go freelance, maybe go back to WWE. But with a hell of a match, I mean, I, I, we did. It's fair to say we granted a little bit of the fact that Bishamon won World Tag League instead of uh, Aussie Open. But still a hell of a match. I've never discounted a future one as a tag team. Maybe not as great as Kevin Kale keeps yelling from the rooftops that they are. So I probably wouldn't put them in the same league as FDR. The Usos went on about how they're ranked in the PWI 500. But the hell of a match was all about guys basically breaking up 
like pinfalls after the other guy, other team hits like a big double team move, and that last move that Bruce one hit, the other member of FTR just wasn't there in time on that occasion, and FTR dropped their final bit of gold to to Bishimon. And I was raging. <laughs> I mean, FTR seemed happy enough. Like, I like the fact they got to wrestle in the dome. You guys seen them pull out a fucking spike pile driver and everything. That's it. I mean, I'll give it, like, again, like this match, what, 10 minutes, 10 seconds, and it fucking went for it. Yeah. Like I said, like, they were all about near falls and other partner being there to break them up, and some of the near falls FTR got. Really had me convinced for a brief moment that they were actually going to retain the belts. I would have been angry about that. But, you know, Bishabon, once again, tag team champions. And we'll talk about them in a little bit. But then we go on to a brand new championship. All the championships all the time. The, uh, this also went to MS32. It's one of the few TV title related matches that hasn't gone very near to the wire. I mean, so many times with TV title and one match we're going to talk about too that go so like 14 of that minute so close to the end to be renamed the bloody NGPW squeaky bum time belt because it always goes right down to the bloody wire. <laughs> oh yeah, the, this, the TV title match was one that I was very, very looking forward to and I was so glad to find I was not disappointed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be hard to be disappointed because, you know, you got Ren Navier, who's basically Shibata 2.0, and Zach's had some maxillary belts with Shibata, so why should this be any different? And he even did a thing that people like Shibata would do, like, I'm going to sit down, kick me in the back as hard as you can. Hmm, that didn't hurt. Let me kick you in the back and show you how it's done. <laughs> I love that. It just He, he has the proper... It, it's, it very much felt like a Shibata or like even Suzuki style at, at points for some of the stuff that was going on it's, it was just felt like this is the hard bastard match yeah I mean I talked about this belt being kind of perfect for for Zach because how quickly he can get a finish or a, a submission or a roll up and these days of matches and New Japan seemed to feel the same they gave him the belt as I thought they went a quick tap out after a, an arm bar locked in by Zach so I was shocked to see it end by submission he I think we both figured this would be like his first stumbling block, but like I said, I didn't expect him to well, set a strong sail to tap out so early on into his run. Yeah, I I am the son of strong style. I am Shibata Marks. Oh, I've been tapped out in 10 minutes, 32 seconds. Yeah, you may go, go home and rethink your life. But we had the really, the press conference a few days before WrestleMania, which we didn't get a chance to talk about because it happened after we recorded our preview for Wrestle Kingdom. But other than the bit for the US people that we're going to talk about later, the one part from the press conference I really enjoyed was uh, was seeing the back and forth between, Ch- between Narita and Zaxi Virginia. One, because it was the reveal of Zach's new blonde hair, and that mixed with the, the blazer and that is when I'm like, he looks like a boy, uh, member of a boy band calling a press conference to announce that he's leaving the group to go solo. To me, it had, it had big divorce vibes. <laughs> he's not taking the divorce well. He's had to die his hair. He's having a bit of a midlife crisis. It's okay. Yeah. He split up from, from, from Taichi. He got to keep, uh, Doki in the divorce. 
That's it. He got Doki, but he did not get his love. Sad times. Yeah, it was weird. Like it was sad that when uh, that Suzuki were bringing up, I didn't realize that meant no dangerous tigers anymore. But then Miho Abe just is just gone as well. Like, all right, fine, taking everything we want. Then. I said, it's like, could they hurt us anymore if they tried? But, but then we got that the best. Because I was wondering if this is going to lead to some sort of faction thing with like different factions wanting to recruit the different members of like former members of Suzuki Gun. I mean, in a way, we got that, but everybody else is going to basically stuck together in a non-official form of Suzuki Gun. But Zach is confronted by Shane Hayes and Mikey Nichols from the Mighty Don't Kneel, and basically Zach's now the the official leader of TMDK now that Jonas Bagarov has to WWE, or he's now the the front man, and they basically position themselves as a like a band. Like Mike's on the bass, Shane's doing the drums, and Zach's the front man. That's it. Like I saw him come there, I was like, "Oh, oh, are they are they going to challenge him? Is someone going to like we're just skipping straight to someone's going to go and take a go at Zet? No, no, they're oh, they're besties now. Yeah, Dad has joined the Swingers Club. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just I'll, their backstage comments have become my favorite because Zach's already the king of the backstage comments. But now basically just. Um, bantering back and forth with his mates and Shane Hayes who doesn't know how to shut the fuck up. Mikey <laughs> Nichols looking like the guy who's always having to apologise for his mate. He's like, I'm really sorry I said that again. No, I don't. He does. <laughs> yeah. They did mention these guys had history when they were in pro wrestling Noah like 10 years ago so it actually does make sense when you look at it in that context and I'm glad because you know, it does feel like the natural step for Zach to kind of take centre stage as a singles wrestler and kind of been leading his own lead his own group. That's it. I mean, I'm I'm upset that they didn't keep Zach and Tai Chi together, but I'm I'm excited with this bit. This new venture for Zach's got my interest. I would have been interested to see if they would actually try and get other factions to try and recruit the other Suzuki members just to see where each of them would go. I had this weird fancy looking in my head of like of Desperado turning heel and like joining Bullet Club, and, like altering the black and white style of his mask to like the Bullet Club logo. I love the idea of that, and in my mind, I had the fantasy booking of him um, making his way to Lij. <laughs> <laughs> become become a tag team with him, um, Haru. Well, they need another mask guy because Teton's buggered off, like. Was he was he taken out back and shot because he and Bushy didn't win it, buddy? So we did tie league. Where's he gone? That's it. It was, it was just. It's like where what happened next? What did they do? Pain. <laughs> the people who disappeared. Where the fuck are Aussie Open? They lost to the Super G. They lost in the World Tag League final, and they haven't been back. Although I was listening to Osprey's. Brilliant interview on Renee Young's podcast or Renee Paquette, sorry, his podcast. You should go check out where he kind of drops in the fact that he's on the autistic spectrum and he's got ADHD. But they also casually mentions that Aussie Open like don't have a contract, which is bizarre given that they were like strong open weight tied champs and everything. But he was kind of putting them over like some of the hardest working guys despite not having a a contract with New Japan yet. Yeah, that's it. Does leave a lot of questions, but 
Japan and their contract situations, I just don't even speculate, as we found out recently with someone big and how far that went. <laughs> yeah, that dropped right literally days before we were going to record this. But like, we had to leave this so late because we, they were new beginning shows yesterday and Saturday. I had to record, and then we were going to release this today on Tuesday. So, you know, we get quick turnaround. And so, leaving it longer meant so many big things were, were breaking. So that added on to our bloody notes for the show, which is why we're going so long. But we'll get to this one quickly. Tamatonga versus Carl Anderson. Other than that shocking, like pile driver like spot on the rampway, this was probably my least favorite match of the night. The uh, ah yes, bold fraud. <laughs> uh, despite the fact he gives the gun stun, doesn't know how to fucking take a gun stun. It seems. There is a total level of irony in that. It's like, yeah, I can, I can give out the move, but no, I'm not taking that. <coughs> I'll give it. It's much better than the fucking shit show that he put on with Hikuleo. Oh yeah, I've been listening to the Super J cast a lot recently, and they were doing their end of year awards uh, recently, and basically everything that was under the worst category. Carl Anderson was either in the top three or he's number one. Like, one of the worst, like, booking decisions or whatever is, like, the booking of the Never Open Weight title slash Carl Anderson. Or that, Elkileo versus Carl Anderson. Or Carl Mosey, Anderson. Setting a, Mosey, setting a goal for us all. Or, most hated wrestler, Carl Anderson, like, awards that, according to them, the previous two years have been evils to lose. And yet, Carl Anderson comes in. How bad do you have to be for a major fan fans to vote for you as most hated over fucking evil and dick Togo and that lot of bastards? It is honestly, that is an actual... I, I honestly, I, I, I aspire to his level of shithousery because he comes in, he phones it in for like, what, like three matches in total? Fucks off. Calls himself the saviour of New Japan and gets a fucking big paycheck for it. Fly bastard. <laughs> I know. Absolute shit house today. Uh, thankfully he's gone. Tamatonga is the number one chat. And then there were rumours that he was wanted by WWE. I'm like, I said to you, is this the belt you win if you want to go to WWE? Just like become never champion. Then they suddenly start paying attention to you. It was, the match was there. It was right in the middle. It was a good time to go for a quick piss. Yeah. And then we had a match that was actually better than I thought it would be. It was not a great Muto's last New Japan match. You already had that back at the historic crossroad. This is Keiji Muto's last New Japan match. Where he team with Hiroshi Tanashi and Shota Umino against Bushi Sanada and Naito. And, you know, there were talks about a lot about, like, the story of Muto and Sanada, like, Sanada looking up to the great Muto and everything. And these two, you'd had a tag match when it ends in, like, Impact in 2014. So that was a weird odyssey, but. As much as we've joked about great but um, how much of a shithouse you can be at times, he actually did more in this match than I thought he would. I still haven't actually watched the Nakamura match. I meant to watch it before this. And I thought, do we fuck have time to talk about that? But, you know, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it because so much has happened. But before the next show, I'm going to try and watch it because we're going to probably have to talk a lot about Noah and the next podcast, given what's uh, coming up. But I like... In this match, in the limited spots that he was involved in, and I also like basically 
telling Ashley to be in there to rein him in, like, no, don't go and do a, don't do an insult. Your knees will crumble to bits. So, like Rice Krispies, snap, crackle, and pop. <laughs> and yeah, he had the strength that he needs to hit, give Bushy a shining wizard, but it was uh, Shota getting the win after a, a death rider. Uh, you know, just using his dad's move, fair play. <laughs> yes. No, not right. He was his real father. John Moxley. Uh, but he's even still in his entrance, like he's coming out, looking very stardust, genius, like in his big white a coat, with Tanahashi and Motley colored pants, and then still in John Moxley's like entrance, still carrying that jacket. Like, you know, just a, a weird pick and mix of different people, aren't you, Shota, at the minute? Uh, but like Kevin Kelly and Chris Allen were really bigging him up by like the potential that he's got. That's this like short is like what twenty five. This is this is a big spot for him at such a young age. Um, and obviously, Bushy's there to take a pin. So yeah. Bushy's always there for. Yeah, you you do that with maybe the case that you looked at the lineup for this, but uh. Maybe we get into like like I I watched most of the show because that was my first day back at work at Star January was the same day as Wrestle Kingdom and so for the most part I I took my lunch started watching the the pre show and then watched most of the main card while working I had it on the background I was making sure I paid enough attention to it but when the last three matches were coming up like the junior title US title World title I turned it off finished my work and then came back to it because I wanted to like properly focus on these three matches. And the four-way, they don't just about 16 and a half minutes this way. I was excited to see Dez because I thought he was actually my pick to win it. And he had his like, big, proper like, white mask on. And yeah, guys, Master Wall had a double drop kick on that LED board, which must be a bastard for him to take as well, just lining back first. Uh, and it was weird, because Watto had some of the moments where I'm like, are they going to give this belt to Master fucking Watto? Honestly, I thought Wattle was going to fucking pull out of nowhere. I was like, don't tell me. The way of the Grand Master has finally found the way. Because uh, like, he got near falls on like Buddy Ishimori. He got near falls on a really high-angle fucking German on a Hiromu. And I also like that each guy got their own like moment here. He even got a little moment to renew the rivalry between Hiromu and Despi when Despi fucking sparked him out. Just boom. There you go, son. Yeah, but uh, I think we shouldn't have been too surprised when Hiromu manages to hit Time Bomb, or number two that is, onto Master Watto. But we did all this stuff to build up your belief to him and then, ah, so he was he was taking the pin. So for the fifth time, they've said on commentary, I figured it was about that many, Ta- uh, Hiromu Takahashi is once again IWGP Junior Champion. I mean, He's been a big feature in the junior team where he's not the champion. So, were you surprised? Were you happy to see him as the champion again? I'm always happy to see Hiromu in the title scene because he does produce banger after banger and he's just an absolute cracking character. My only worry these days is his history of injuries over the last few years. Um, I hope I hope that this time he gets a good, proper, uninterrupted title run that isn't ruined by injury. Uh-huh. Um, because I feel that's the one thing that he's missing at the moment is like a good solid run where nothing gets broken. But yeah, because like two of his previous four title reigns had to like get to give the belt because he was injured. 
you know, that's 50% of his rating sounded via injury, which isn't good. So hopefully he gets along, because obviously Ishimori's probably going to get his rematch very soon, and then if Kushida's still around, then hopefully he can finally get his act together and get back over Japan. And, you know, get that match with Hiromu or a uh, match with Ishimori or whatever. But, yeah. This is something I think a lot of people want to talk about as well. Actually, that a lot of people probably tuning in a Wrestle Kingdom itself to watch the US title match I get with Will Osprey defending against Kenny Omega. It broke the star scale as we, we probably figured it would. You know, with 34 bloody minutes. Well, Osprey was coming into it. They said on Cogdale, we watched it really recently. But probably the best win percentage of any US champion at that point. But, you know, there was no way to know where they would go because you could see them actually giving the belt to Omega. But before we talk about the ending, like, just had a lot of expectations to, to reach. Right from the get-go, right from the entrances, Omega coming out with the whole Sephiroth attire playing one-winged angel from Final Fantasy the fucking scale of the entrances it just it, it made everything before it just looked like a massive pre-show and Osprey coming out with the entire empire and the the piano version of Elevated it's like this is fucking mind-blowing we haven't even started yet uh, I mean I thought about it for a brief moment in my mind about bringing back his old team because he don't but maybe it's going to bring back the assassin. And yeah, getting like a finally get to use an actual Final Fantasy team as opposed to his old New Japan team, which is like, you can't get a New Japan, a Final Fantasy team, which takes you something that sounds like a Final Fantasy theme song. <laughs> and so he finally got to come out of that song. And then, yeah, Osprey, we bring back Elevated, uh, like the entire empire around them. Dispatch. Got like six and a quarter stars. From Dave Meltzer, and I really, often I don't really like put too much into the star ratings, but it's one of those times that they've, well, a few times where a match has broken the star scale, and I've actually agreed with that decision because fuck me, this match with him, he's like Ian Ross thought about it briefly shortly after it aired on an episode of Central, and we were trying to plug our upcoming episode, and I basically said like. There's nothing I can do to really describe it. Just go watch it. And it's weird because they're in a position where I want to break it down, but I also don't want to tell you anything because I want people to watch it like again and again. It's, it's to me, it's, I, I can honestly say it's probably in my, it's probably my top favourite match that I've watched in the last two years of wrestling. It was fucking astronomical in every regard. The, Made they told a story, beginning to end. It was so much intensity going into this. So many stiff spots, stiff strikes, and some pretty damn fucking scary stuff as well. Mm-hmm. It's weird because like Kenny Omega came back in the lead up to All Out uh, with that compression shirt still on. A lot of injuries, a lot of rehab he went through the previous nine months. Then he went away again, and then came back at full gear. You can tell he was getting back into feeling like himself, but. I think this was more of an indication if we, ever we needed it, but Kenny Omega is back at 100%. He's delivering, you know, he's back to delivering his hands to say banger after banger, banger. Uh, like, Don Kelsey had a great line on commentary, like, Kenny Omega at 30% is still better than most people on this planet at wrestling, but 
to Omega at everything, which I think he is here, is nigh on unbeatable. And it, like I said, it got violent. You know, he had some fist rates. He had the call back to the old stuff he used to do with Okada, like the stomps through the that table. And then taking a bloody Will Osprey, he got busted up by getting a DDT on an exposed fucking turnbuckle and just start slamming his hit over and over again into, into the table. It's like, Jesus. Through the fuck. table. Fucking through the table. A Japanese table. How do you make... How do you finally make a Japanese table break? He's another fucker's head. Like the, the DDT spot, I've watched that so many times now, and it scared me, because that just looked so dangerous. I remember, like, famously, at Backlash 2000, D, uh, there was a DDT off the top rope spot that Dean Malenko did to Sky Too Hotty, which, which I'd never seen before or since then, up until this one. And I remember hearing Sugoi Toy and I say, yeah, Linda McMahon basically backstage told us never do that spot again because she was worried of being too dangerous. This is what Linda McMahon was envisioning with that spot. This is how dangerous that spot can be. You got the entire empire and there's all been concerned for uh, Will Osprey. And then Don Kels was like, the Amino Manly, get them back. Why are they out here? They should be, they should be ejected all the while he's on commentary singing Kenny's praises from the fucking rooftops. This was full true New Japan Kenny with Don Callis doing top tier shithousery on the the commentary as well. You know, it was just absolutely fucking class. Um, you know, some people were like, oh, Omega doesn't do much in AEW. It's like, this remind you, this is what he's capable of. Yeah, when he's not doing all the trio stuff that he has been doing, like, this is what Kenny can do, like fucking pulling it pile drivers. Definitely neither of them holding back with the heads and blades of the bloody, uh, like, V-triggers. Osprey fucking pulls it a styles clash at one point. And, like, literally, I think the more he hits the head and blade, the more sick he does every time. Especially the sudden one that he does right to the fucking, like, hits you from the front. That's where it looks at its roughest. And, like, Osprey and some of his old moves that like, he hasn't hit since he was, like, the assassin, like, more of his flips. Also the big pop of, oh, the Robinson special! Maybe I'd be more excited about that if the Robinson it was named after wasn't a dirty bastard, but you know, that's the nitpick of this match. But, uh, yeah. Omega pulls out the fucking Kamagoye as a thing, like, can you want to hurt my friend? Fuck you. And then, one way Angel, I'm like, that was when I was, like, I was like, after he had the Kamagoye instead of the one way Angel, like, oh, Osprey, there's only a handful of people that have kicked out of that. I don't know if we'd give that to Osprey, like, is Kamagoye Omega going to fucking win this? And then he did. That's it. I, I, I couldn't believe when, it, when he hit, actually hit it and it went for the three count. I was just like, no fucking way. I did not see this. It was the one match I did not see going this way. I was absolutely blown away. Look at Osprey's face was all bloody. Look at Kim Omega left with a black eye and you got to see it the next day and it looked like you could barely see it with that eye. Let's talk about the backstage comments for a thing because, well, Osprey's Fucking heartbreaking. It was like it, it gave me a lot of parallels to when Jay White lost um his like that what was it, Wrestle Kingdom last year when he had the big Yeah, last year. He had the big crisis of con- confidence and that's what Osprey looked like after this. Actually actually it was fucking two years ago because against the Bushy because last year it was like the double gold thing where like single V Okada winner goes on to fight Osprey. But I kind of beat 
because of course he fucking does. <laughs> That's it two years ago and like Jay White cut out probably one of the best promos I've ever seen him do. And that, that was Osprey's promo after this. Absolutely heartbreaking. Like but I remember that Jay White thing was three years ago is making me really like scared like Jesus time is really is a flat fucking circle. But yeah, <laughs> And like I said, I'm going to give myself one more year. You know, I've sacrificed all this. I'm going to give myself one more year to turn this around. If I don't, maybe I have to start doing something else. I think that really gives you great possibilities for the future, like how you build it, leading up to the rematch eventually, okay, where you think eventually you'll get the belt back. And I said to you, I don't think you'll win the New Bank Cup. Maybe we'll get far, but not win it. I'm calling it right here. Not paying any money on it, but I'm calling it right now. Uh, Will Osprey is winning the 2023 G1 Climax. I'm calling it right now. Bold call. Bold call. Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it pays <laughs> off for him. Let's see how it pays off indeed. And, oof, I feel like, Jesus, these, you guys are coming up next. I've got a, a lot to, <laughs> a lot to follow here, do Okada and Jay White. You know, I heard like, like an example I heard online was like, it feels like that Okada came Omega. Here's an example uh, that summed up the story event of Omega versus Osprey. That's for the cash. That's for the international fans. But this going on, the IWGP are going on is for the Japanese fans, the ones that respect tradition, ones who also are honoring Antonio Inoki and everything. So once they announced that Wrestle Kingdom was like a tribute to Inoki, there was nothing else that was going to go on left, no matter how many people Kenny Omega brought in. That's it. Like it was, it was always going to happen, and God help them, because you know having to follow that, yeah, you're not going to get get lucky trying to follow up that match. It was an impossible task. It was. They went. They go thirty three minutes. They gave it everything they got. I, you had. I had to try to stick with it for the first time. I thought. Give it time because they're probably going to start slow to get the crowd, get, let, the, let the crowd get their energy back, and then they're going to, you know, because these guys aren't able, able to have a bad match together. I had seen that JY had been criticised for people perceived him not putting in the effort to help build the match, but it was more so outspoken about how frustrated he still was about the lack of cheering noises and everything. And Jimmy Kelly was on Super J Cast giving a a really good insight into how much like, the president of New Japan had to work with the fucking government to allow them to get cheering back. And they basically were giving from the sounds of it, it looks like they were giving them the fucking runaround. Yeah, that's it. Like this, like the, the, it did help with the crowd getting into this one. For me, this match took its time. It was the typical Okada main event at Wrestle Kingdom. It's a Stephen Wilson wet dream. I mean, it was a lot of really good near falls that really it, they they gave me hope they did what Hawkeye said not to do they gave me hope that, Kenny, that uh, Jay White would win but I thought would they have Kenny and Jay White win the same night I, I don't think they would yet Okada give yet Okada using moves from Antonio Inoki's arsenal yet fucking Jay White pull out a Rainmaker at one point and then I think Okada hit a Blade Runner which I was amazing, and then kind of used that rain uh, uh, blade runner to set up for the final rainmaker because uh, Jay White would not stay down, and then 
fucking that final image of him grabbing onto the belt and not wanting to let it go and using it kind of pick himself back up after he's been defeated. That's it. He was just... You could see the shock on his face, like, what? No. <laughs> it can't be true. I'm not giving uh, this up. Uh, a lot of people have said the Farrell's like when Okada left in tears after losing to, I think it was Tanahashi and Rift Kingdom 9, uh, was the rest, and being led away by Gator was the rest of how Gator led Jay White away after this match. Uh, and Jay White's fucking backstage goes away, all just looking dead inside, like, welcome back everyone to the, to, the, to, to Jay show. And then starts going to a full on Brady where he realizes, like, yes, Hikaleo, it's all his fault. He, him leaving really threw off my, you threw me off mentally. I didn't. I wasn't prepared for this because you fucked up my vision for a bullet club. It's all your fault. It's like, it's like, wow, he is really going down the conspiracy theory line of blaming someone else. And of all the people to blame, Hikuleo? I know, he's like that. Uh, that from all the same for the other child. He's got the big, all the red tape and everything. Like, it's all connected. Hikuleo, Pepe Sylvia. It's all connected. <laughs> Come back to that it was Jim Perry. <laughs> we'll come back to that in just a second. Because after Okada, when Okada was cutting his promo, we had uh, Shingo Takagi coming out. Before he even decided, I thought, well, he's definitely not winning the KOPW. And I was wrong about that one. But <laughs> Shingo proved me wrong twice because I was a bit sad that him, he was the first person to challenge Okada because also the first challenger is always going to lose. But... I literally had, at the start of the year, him down as my early favourite for the New Japan Cup to set up a match with Okada that way. And, again, maybe it looks like a twat. I'm like, why are you doing this to my boy? Why why are you doing this to Shingo? Why why do they disrespect the man that carried them through the pandemic? I know. And then, yeah, I know the first match, they had also, well, the first match they beat Okada and he took advantage of Okada having an injured back and then, it wasn't too long after that they beat him in. They beat him uh, for the title, but it was kind of like one of his only matches back after COVID. So basically, they're having this whole story of, oh, Jingo hasn't actually beaten uh, Kada 100%. Why are you saying that? Because I don't care if it's true, because if he loses again to Okada, then you're basically proving him right and basically you're telling the story, oh, Shingo can't beat Okada. And I don't know when they're ever going to have another chance for him to beat Okada. So. It's like, Shingo's good, but he's not Okada. That's it, it's just... Stop doing this with Okada, Gero. Just fucking stop it. Ah. I mean... Again, I don't mean this for the another time where we shit on Okada, but I don't want Shingo to be the one that's just the first person fed to him. It's just, it breaks my heart to see that. Basically, given uh, what Okada's been saying about him in KOPW, and I'll, I'll come back to that. Getting ahead of myself here. New Year's Dash. I was looking at these to keep that back. Let's, let's go to New Year's Dash. <laughs> yeah, I was excited to see that back, but then they fucking gave us House of Torture in the first match, where they quickly defeated uh, Honma, Tiger Mask, and Ren Narita. But then during a post match beatdown of Ren Narita, we had Mizuru Suzuki and El Desperado randomly coming out to offer assistance and trying to form some sort of alliance with with Maria, as I've called them, Team Kick them in the fucking head. Because you got the Kota Kai with Team Kick, this is Team Kick them in the head. 
This is the team of hard bastards. Because <laughs> I think we joked about it at the time. I said, you know, Shibata may be dead, but uh, Desperado and Suzuki are never his mad uncles. That's it. Although, any time anyone says the mad uncles, I just instantly think of the Burniston sketch. <laughs> I can't hear a word. That wee house the torture boy is saying. Kiss the karaoke mic. Dictogo comes in. Have a seat in the guest chair. Dictogo's there. My blood's up. Dick. My blood. Togo. Dick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. But I'll, I'll basically sum up what they've been up to because it won't really factor in anything else but they've been doing this use of six-man tags and Rita Seen's head seems to be even be with Suzuki and Desperado at first they, Dick Togo takes the fall for most of these matches the same, Suzuki says oh we want a fucking six-man tag team to show up put them on a line in Osaka at the end of the new beginning so they have the door to like oh actually no we don't, we don't even come out with the belts we've retired those so we're going to be the final <laughs> and like like, no, we want a fucking title on that. And then Naria taps out Yujiro most recently in Sapporo. So then they said, despite his doctor again refusing, New Japan's made it official, so we will have a six-man title match at New Beginning in Osaka. Thank fuck. Finally get to see those belts change hands. Oh, we can only hope. We can only hope. But although these guys weren't the only four Suzuki-Gun members who were making waves at New Year's Dash, as we had the team of Doki, Yoshino, Karamaro, and Taichi defeat uh, Katsu 2 and Will Osprey. Osprey looking like he could, he'd rather be in his bed than wrestling. And they didn't, yeah, that didn't stop him wrestling three days later in the UK against Buddy Eddie Dennis. But, uh, Doki, Karamaro, and Taichi along with Takemichi, who introduced himself as the greatest faction name of all time. Just four guys. <laughs> Honest uh, to God, I was so happy with that team name. Just four guys. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, Doki got managed to get a surprise roll up on, uh, I think it was Akira, to to win the match, which earned them a title shot down the line. And Osprey and Taichi getting each other's faces. And Osprey immediately tries to shut on this table before I even started. To, like, you guys are like a band that's broken up and then you got back together for a reunion. But it's not the members that anyone give a fuck about. <laughs> Absolute fucking savage. So, after that we had... I mean, I've seen the shirts that they released for just four guys, and I fucking want one. But, after that we had TNDK defeating Yoshihashi, Goto, and Ishii, which set up a side title match and a TV title match, respectively. But the big story here is post-match... Ichiban's sweet boy, Kosei Fujita, has been recruited into TNDK one of the first things that, one of the first things that a young lion who hasn't even graduated yet, or has the excursion, has been recruited into a, into a faction. So now he's buddy, Zaxier Jr.'s adopted son, it seems like. I honestly could not fucking believe, believe that. I was like, they've actually recruited him, and it's not a rib. <laughs> I know. And now they're teaching him all the sorts of things that he can say, like, tits up. <laughs> or, like, play the blinder. Right? We have a phrase of the day, play the blinder. Or, Zach basically teaching him the techers, like, showing him how he tags him in, 
So what about he, he puts on like, no, no, that's not how you do it. Tyreek, see, this is how you do it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's his new, he's his new dad. He's like, look, the number one rule, son, is use the tickers. Number two rule is don't repeat anything Uncle Shane said. <laughs> and it's just it's just like watching like, how you say it's like it's like, it's like a bunch of like mad uncles and, and the dad are like taking the son out. it's like you're gonna learn to be a man now. <laughs> yeah. And then if they're the creative narrative uh, of Kevin and Chris so basically oh yeah, these other young lines in the dojo are, are forming little bromances, their own groups of their own because everybody hates Fujita now because Fujita's got such a big head in TMDK he's not doing his chores anymore. <laughs> what a fucking story to run! <laughs> yeah, so basically, we've been teaming in, in matches against those three guys, Bishawan and Ishii, plus a young lion on their side, interchanging throughout the tour. And literally every match seems to start the same. The other young lion wants to batter Fujita immediately. That's it, just like I want him. Like why? You've not fucking swept the four and three weeks, you cunt. I had to fucking wash Jano's pants because you're too good to do it. I want my fucking money back, man. Just going to go into the wrestling card. Uh, it was a eight-man tag with LIG losing two members of... Well, it was like Wednesday Haunt Tag, but I think you was technically still chaos. But uh, you, big story there was you pinning... Uh, Hiromu with the direct drag to set him up as the next challenger uh, for the title, which was big. Uh, we had a fucking, we had Hikuleo, Master Watto, Tanashi, and Tama against Bullet Club, which ended a DQ because Jay White would not stop fucking battering Hikuleo. <laughs> but he had to learn his fucking lesson, didn't he? Literally, this spinned off into four different matches that are going to happen at uh, Osaka. But the big story was the White challenge. We still said, you and me, you and me, Hickley, a one on one loser leave Japan. Like, oh. Because, like, every year in this time for the last few years, there's been rumors of Jay White leaving. But then you also see rumors that WWE are interested in Hickley, probably because he's, you know, tall. But, so, like, I don't know where this is going to go. Well, to make it even worse, apparently the rumours about Jay White and WWE are getting stronger again. I'm like, no. Don't fuck with me. Because uh, like, even if he loses, he's still got a match for New Japan in the US because he's booked to fight Eddie Kingston at Battle in the Valley. Yeah, those then, two are just seem destined to go at it for a long time. But then fucking... Galileo would be like, oh, they've built him up, they're starting to build him up, and then he's fucking off again, so Gary Kelly sums up, like, either we're losing a future top star, or an actual top, or current foot top star right now, so this is a lose-lose situation for New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> oh, quality, that was a great one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, do, I thought, I find it very interesting, the uh, reactions of Kent and AOP, even they seemed a bit, like, they wanted like Jay, just like stop leaving me. He's like he's stop it. He's already dead. And I have already heard, dead. Heard people speculating like Jay's going to lose. Bullet Club will get a new leader. And the favorite from Bill I've heard online because his match goes on after Jay's is El Fantasmo. He's only that because Bullet Club generally relies on having a guide and a foreign leader. Mm-hmm. And I I can't really think of who else would take that 
that spot in in the club at the moment. Yeah, because like other the only one who has the credibility to be the leader, I think right now, other than them, is like Kenta, but because like, Kenta does live in the US, so he can be a kind of middle ground between Japan and America. But like you said, Bullet Club is there as a, like a gaijin heel stable, so having someone like ELP in charge and then using that to propel himself into the heavyweight division. I think it would be quite interesting. Uh, it would be kind of a case of like, oh, you thought he was a shit before, now he's now he's the guy in charge. <laughs> like you thought he was a dickhead already. Surprise, it gets worse. And he'll be like, right, first order of business, it's the torture king, get the fuck. Because I mean, look, look at how, I mean, yes, you have less members, but you, you recruit new people, people who are actually capable and don't fucking suck. You know, think of how great Bullet Club would be because without as a doctor, then you've got you've got bloody who have you got? You got ELP, Kenta, Ishimori, you got bloody Ace, Austin, Chris Bay. I can't think of anyone else right now other than them, but you can rebuild. See you'd actually be a guide in sale with the exception of uh, Kenta. <laughs> they can make it work. They can do it. It's still good, it's still good. Uh, uh, for the big bright blue belt aka the KPW 2023 professional title Shingo Takagi manages to win over Shiro the Great Okan and Toriyaro despite Great Okan stealing the belt at one point and having a sword <laughs> as you do just casually as you, as you do despite that he doesn't get pinned so that immediately set up a match between Great Okan and Shingo Takagi and Nagoya for the, the title but then they came to the main event because this is the whole thing about this, other than the KOPW match was a case of we don't know what the matches are going to be on this card. So then and Hanari and Jeff Cobb come out and then Kano, I think it was Kenny Omega's music that hit first. I thought, because I originally thought, oh, it's going to be Okada and somebody. Then Kenny Omega's music like, who's there still in Japan at Kenny Omega? Continue with and then Okada's music and I'm like, oh my god. I even put my notes to the Omega Powers combined or whatever. And yeah, basically Jeff Cobb and Harry played the role of Miz and R-Truth to, John, to their John Cena and Rock from Survivor Series 2011. God, yeah, I, I could not believe the team up. And Omega coming out with his old New Japan music as well. Mm-hmm. I was losing my shit. I know, like... It was like the face, a face version almost of a two-man power trip, Omega and Bloody Crook carried together. So this interesting does set up a future before that, before, uh, this does set up the possibility of Jeff Cole versus Kato Omega, uh, as a kind of a stock gap before Omega has a rematch with Osprey. The Osprey Omega rematch. Keep it off for as long as possible. Build it. Don't rush it. Give us a good proper proper showing for it mm-hmm. but uh so that was the show I mean there were so many matches coming out of it though, that they set up for the future and I was so happy to, to see that because that's what you want from a show like New Year's Dash we did have a stop gap before the new beginning and we could see these matches because they had Crystal Kingdom now featuring Pro Wrestling Noah and Yokohama Arena it was because the commentary claims that oh this is Yokohama is on a neutral ground, so there's not an overly New Japan fan, not overly Noah fans, but apparently, according to sources coming out of the show, oh, they were they drew a thousand fans less 
at least a thousand fans less than last year's crossover show. And a lot of people have commented, well, I don't know where the Noah fans were, but clearly they weren't as loud as the New Japan fans. I think they, they really like, they, they, the Noah thing's pretty cool, but it, it still feels out of place to me. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I've, tr- I've tried to watch a bit of pro wrestling on because the, they got the great meta stuff going on. You got Jack Morris over there and you haven't seen the Japan crossover. So I might carry for one month to their, their human thing and then cancel it after I've seen the, the show that's coming up and uh, watch the great meta's bye bye show or whatever it's called. Because you got fucking, but a team of bloody, teamed with Sting and Darby Allen. One of the guys on the other side was fucking Hakushi. Like, wasn't he fighting Bret Hart back in 95? Like, he's still over. I don't know why he's even called Hakushi. That was his WF name. Like, I don't think he's got the legal right to use that. But, that aside, I think part of the reason that new people all over here don't watch a lot of Pro Wrestling Noah is they had a bit of time access and fucking Pro Wrestling Noah's human service. And then, the archives. The stuff that in English commentary is also hard to find. So, maybe that's the issue here with Worcester Noah. But that aside, a fine show. From an in-ring perspective, a lot of guys I didn't know, but you had Kevin and Chris there, which is always good to explain to you who people are and why they're a big deal. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was good It was good in that regard to having Chris and that there. And, you know, the, the card wasn't without some really cool fucking things happening, like Okada becoming the most interesting person for the first time ever. But my favorite, one of my favorite matches before they got to the Best of Five series was the opener, which had uh, Segura, Kojima, and Kojima, who are the uh, Noah Titan champions right now, Toriyano and Hiroshi Tanahashi against Marafuji, Kenta, El Fantasma, and Gedo. I thought, wow, who's in this match is going to take the pin? But uh, <laughs> I love the fact that Marafuji being an old friend of Kenta, they assumed, oh, he's going to be, he's, gonna, he's in Bullet Club now. But he just refused to join in with the two sweet. And EOP's looking at Kenta like, what the fuck's this dickhead's problem? And then post-match, Kenta gets uh, Segura to two sweet him. And I'm like, I don't think he knows what that two sweet means. Like, Segura's not in Bullet Club, we should make that clear. See, one thing that made me laugh in that match as well was ELP going for the um, the nipple twist on Sugura. <laughs> and he just looked at him as if to go, what are you doing? This doesn't hurt. <laughs> uh, uh, but bit, we mentioned about Okada. I came in the fourth match on the main card, which had Kaito Kiyomura, uh, Kaito Kiyomura and Inamura taking on Makabe and Okada. And I only went six minutes thirty-five before going out because Okada's apparently been a bit of a shit story. Like I remember last year when he was asked to lead up to that pro wrestling uh, Noah crossover which was last year, saying he was asked, "Oh, do you watch pro any pro wrestling?" No, I went, "No. Why would Olympic athletes make it make the time to watch the amateurs?" Which is a comparison, and then apparently he's been kind of sitting on Kiyomiro, who they've been trying to build up as the next big guy. And for us, they know, like, he was the guy who seemed we met against Tanahashi and Okada last year, but because they didn't want to look weak, you know, Kimura took a lot of the moves and was made to look like an idiot. And then since then, he went on and beat Keno for the GHC title. He retained it at the New Year's show. I don't know if you've seen the gif of that big suplex onto the apron from their match that was going around at the time. Yeah, I mean, this, the, the build up to this and the, the background shenanigans was brilliant. How it finally exploded in the match 
Mm. That was a thing of beauty. Yeah, because, like, he was going to be disrespected to GHC Sammy, so he starts kicking Okada to break up like a channel that Okada's got locked in, and Okada's barely even selling it. I went, alright then, fuck this. Came around, kicked him right in the fucking face, right in the orbital bone. He busted Okada open, who then just goes right for him. The two start trying to bat each other. Kimura gets, Kimura gets dropped onto Chris Carlton and the English commentary table. So I guess over there, the English commentary table is the equivalent of the Spanish announce table. So poor Chris was not ready for that. <laughs> oh, they start trying to bat each other and they get, uh, Kimura is on the, on the mic, basically saying, like, come back, you care, fucking fight me in a singles match. And Okazi's like, no, I don't want to fight you. And then there's that gif of him backstage, pushing that camera out of the way, saying, get out of the way, bastard, or something like that. And I was like, oh, oh, this is, this is interesting. Yes, very, very interesting. I'll come back to the, the thing between Crossley and and they, like, set up for the show later on this one, but now you will, but then we had the, the Congo versus LIJ Vestafices uh, match. Yeah, Bushi doing what he does best and losing against Tatsuki. Even despite the fact that he he couldn't see because uh, Bushi had missed him. That's it. I know. I know. Sawyer defeated Sanada, which. And hindsight, I went on previously know his uh, Twitter, and he's apparently getting a shot at their national title, and I think it was El Hill, Dr. Wagner Jr., or something like that. So obviously, he had to beat Sonata to keep him strong for his title match coming up. Uh, Nakajima lost to Shingo Takagi. I found out a thing about Nakajima recently, and that apparently, yeah, there was a crossover show between No and DDT sometime last year because they were owned by the same company. And there was a guy who was one of the champions in DT had to vacate his title because Nakajima slapped him so hard he legit knocked him out. <laughs> he's, he's a fucking unit like like the the hits he was giving he was fucking body and shingle about like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that he had to then go to a match the next night against Great Okan, uh the fact that he wanted to put his title shot on the line against Okada on the line on both matches, I think he only did it for the Okan match. Still makes him, still means he's defended more times than Okada defended his G1 briefcase, but that's another story. But Shingo Wang, you knew it had to be the case because you knew going to the main event it had to be like 2v2 to really get tension in the Keno Naito match. And like, Kevin Kelly was saying, if you're just, if you're not a fan of like one pro specifically, you're just a wrestling fan, then that's in your best interest for Congo to win. To uh, keep this going, maybe get a rematch uh, down the line. But nope, those fans were probably disappointed because Naito got the win. As you probably figured, he won 26 minutes. And I don't know. I mean, I've only seen a bit of Keno, so like, I don't think he's bad or anything. But maybe because I think in January I've watched so much wrestling. By the time I got to the main event of this show, when they finally put it up in the arcades for New Japan World, I think I've. Uh, <coughs> I think I think some part of me found this title match the most my least favourite of the five. And I don't know why. Quite easy for me. It went too long. Um, and Scott, have you stayed up all night watching Japanese wrestling? I think, I think uh, I'm blind. <laughs> you knew. It. You knew where I was going. I knew. It. I knew. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, I think like 
Sonata's and Hiromu's match were my two favourite of these ones. But yeah, by the time we got to this one, it went 26 minutes. And I like Naito, but his tendency for his whole tranquility to cause go long matches sometimes helps and sometimes is the pain in the arse. He's, he's quickly become like Triple H for how long he goes in his fucking main events. That's it, like, Naito loves to, like, take his time. We know he does. I love Naito. I've always loved Naito. But, you know, just let it go for less than 20 minutes for once. I know. I mean, have a day off, Naito. Have a fucking day off. Just one day. One fucking day. And then you had, uh, uh, Kijimuto getting up from the commentary desk like your granddad has only wandered off. Basically saying, Naito, I'm having my final match as Kijimuto and the Tokyo Dome on February 24th when your show is partly called Pro Wrestling. Well, like that. If I can see the poster. They basically said, I want you to be my final ever opponent. And Naito is apparently a big, grew up idolizing Muto, so you can tell it's probably an honor for him. So, like, yeah, he's agreed to have that match. It's one of four pro crossover matches happening in that Pro Wrestling Noah show, which is going to make that worth probably talking about next time. But uh, I think the funniest thing I heard was, I think it was Chris Charlton said that Naito wanted this year to main event Wrestle Kingdom 17 and main event the Tokyo Dome. If they didn't do it in the Tokyo Dome, but he's, Wrestle K- he's main evented this card that's called Wrestle Kingdom 17, and next month he's going to main event the Tokyo Dome. So he's got his wish, but across two shows. That's it. It's it's a very funny funny situation for him. Like, it's like you kind of got what you wanted, just not how you wanted to get it. That, my friends, is what we call a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we have that match that's going to happen at the show on February twenty first, and the Tokyo Dome. We also have a couple other crossover matches between uh, the two companies. We're going to have. Romo Takashi was uh, challenged back by Amakusa, who is the current GHC junior heavyweight champion, so it's a champion champ match. A match that I didn't realise was also happening was uh, Nasawa and Masada taking on Gado and Taiji Ishimori, because I forgot Ishimori has a, a link to Pro Wrestling as well. And we're also supposed to get Kaito Kiyomiya against Kutsuchi Okada as like, IWGP heavyweight champion versus GHC heavyweight champion. But no, Kara basically comes out and says, well, yeah, they made that graphic and announced that without asking me, so uh, I'm not fucking doing it. They can announce it all they want, they promote it all they want, I'm not doing the match. I love that. It's like, it's like, no, doing it. What? Yeah, you are. No, I'm fucking not. You didn't say please. No, no I'm not fucking fighting him. I don't, he's not on my level. Fuck him. Is that, where's that happening? Having a pro wrestling? No. You want me to go to pro wrestling? No, I'm definitely not fucking doing it. Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> oh, and I know they're play- they have to like play the New Japan side, but Jesus, some of the things that Kevin and Chris have been saying on the Road Two shows about when he came here, basically saying like it's not Okada's fault that Okada is not over. Oh God, yes, it's all going to happen now. I don't even I don't even know that much about him, so he's booking, so I don't even know if that's an accurate statement or not. So. I'm not passing judgment. Uh, also, a weird fact about this uh, Wrestle Kingdom and No Camera Arena show. Apparently, it was like a New Japan canvas and everything, and like ring curtains. 
that was like a Noah ring because Noah was using that same venue for the great uh, bye bye show the next night. That's actually quite interesting. That like, uh, there's actually like everything's crossed over. <laughs> Very much. Uh, but literally, I don't like. I don't know if you agree here. The uh, new beginning and they're going the very next night. Literally, the main event is the only thing worth talking about because everything else is just tag matches itself for the other bloody new beginning shows. Yeah, so let's be honest. They call it a new beginning show, but it it didn't really feel much like a new beginning to me. No, but we did have a martial arts rules match, which was the uh, Okan stipulation, uh, where. Single one, he's basically he's thirty count match. Like I think he's just going to get that for every match. He's fucking KOPW champion. So he he suggests uh, so Khan's got this martial arts rule, basically like submission or knockout, and they're both going to come out dressed in geese. But I love that like, Khan's a bit more official because he's got that background. So he just puts his over his gear. That was hilarious. That's like, yeah, I'm just going to put it on over my gear and then it's, it's just going to disappear pretty quickly anyway. I know. Also, you had like members of uh, LIG and Singles Corner, which is rare, but you also had members of Empire or Canon Square. This is a case of uh, if either man go out there and their opponents had to get them back in. So it was also a lumberjack match. And then just randomly, Osprey jumped on the, the guardrail and gives an Oscar to Shingo on the rest of looking. Oh, and it was beautiful as well, just like, yeah, fuck you. And it's it's nice to see LIG actually teaming up properly for once, not just leaving their guys to their, their own devices. Yeah. But why is it that whenever, maybe I'm being to be just, but when Naito's there, the guys are kind of just like, they're happy-ish to be there. Because like, there's a lot of lads who feel like, like too cool for everything vibe in uh, LIG. But when Buddy Shingle is doing the go-home porn when everybody else is waiting around, everyone else just looks fucking bored. <laughs> not like single. Oh, it's funny as fuck. I don't know if you watched the, like the post-match comments. And Shingo's sitting there, and he's like, "Say, like they're they're all, they're all like, come on, are we going? We're going home." <laughs> and Shingo, and it's like he goes, "Sonada, sit," because like, he actually comes backstage, and Knight was sitting in the seat, and he's like, "Give me the seat." Knight <laughs> was like trying to move, but take the seat with him. He's like, "Give me the fucking seat." <laughs> It's like, Sanada, have a beer, man. Sanada just opens his beer, takes a drink out, and then like pours so much of it over over his head, and then Shingo's like, I didn't expect that from Sanada. <laughs> uh, uh, what a bunch of bastards. But it did basically scheme like, ah, oh, when they take it to him, uh, Okan's got the advantage. When they actually start pulling out wrestling moves, that's when Shingo gets the advantage, because he came with some sort of choke into a lap of the dragon, and then managed to choke he used his own like, belt or something like that, or he walked in some sort of submission to choke out Okan, and then briefly woke up like, what happened? Did I get choked out? What happened? I don't remember anything. Like, for for the for our UK champion, it never happened. doesn't remember. He's still a champion to all of us here in the UK. All hail. All hail. <laughs> then Okan had to fucking make his way back up the car, because now he's been opening a lot of shows against fucking young guys. And making them pay for, pay, pay for him not being able to win. Like, I think he was facing Oyua, and he came out with his stars and came out like, oh my god, he's gonna disembowel. <laughs> oh my god, he's gonna kill him. And then, uh, the road to take us to Sapporo, uh, Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday, 
uh, three top ma- we're going to talk about the top three matches from both nights. Starting with on the Saturday, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Title match between Catch 2 2 and Joaquin Camaro. This was their fourth successful defence for Catch 2 2. I think the most that any team had in quite a while because there was that period where they were bloody hot shutting the belts around. But Super Jika said this on tour and I have to agree with them saying that this might be the best junior tag team title match in a good few years. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Absolutely. Unreal match. Um, for anyone that was kind of hung up on the, the tag, the junior tag belts for a while, no. Not anymore. Catch 2-2 two, two mean business. Absolutely. And they, again, they gave me hope. Cause like, EDP injures his knee during the match. And they're working it over like the figure fours a lot for ages. James Gill is talking about more matches, more title matches than one with the figure four than any other move. And then like the two on one against Akira, all these double team moves are constantly happening with the Doki Choki got locked in for a very long time. And Doki, like I bet I was up, I was setting up, I was, I was so ready for Doki and Karamaru to get the belts. But sadly, Akira stepped up, and like earlier on they said that he felt bad because he's been the one that got pinned by Doki in that sit to set up this match. He felt like he let TGP down. So basically, he had to come back and win the match on his own for TGP. But a very vicious knee to the back of the head of Doki and catch 2 2 win. I don't want to be disappointed because the match is so good, but I really thought that was Doki and Kanamaru's moment. That's it. I, I honestly had a, a few points where I was like, oh my god, they're going to do it. Doki's going to get some gold round his waist. The Doki Chowki! The Doki Chowki, <laughs> But it was not meant to be. Because <laughs> to catch 2-2 two, two win with the fireball. And I don't know why every time I hear fireball, I just think of it from friends. Fireball. Fire. It beats everything. Why? <laughs> They develop them with a war balloon and hit them with that, and then they'll win instantly. But I think we, I, I didn't watch this last part of the show live, but I think I would have known that they would have won before I watched it because I'm pretty sure if Gino Gabino was watching it live and Tokyo won, the sound of his joy would break the sound barrier and I would have been able to hear it all the way from Australia. I said, I was like, yep, it's, it's happening. It's happening. Of course he's going to win. Uh, and then just four guys suffered a bit more this week. So I legit thought they were going to tell a story about Osprey kind of having some bad luck after the after the match with Omega. But nope, he, he beat Taichi in a match that we gave that I would have rolled my eyes at the possibility of this match happening in like a featured semi-main or main event spot. But you know, Osprey is, is like sensational. He's, he he sneezes, he gets four fucking stars, and Taichi. I've really come around on, uh, especially as a singles guy. So I was looking forward to this. And I think you and I were talking like they really should have swapped this in a night on match around. This is the match that should have gone on last. Yeah, definitely. This, like, the, the, I just see like, because I remember when Tai Chi kind of made that big move up, and I was like, he's not very credible. He kept on getting beat by Naito at the beginning. It was quite funny. Um, but Tai Chi over time has cemented himself as a very solid workhorse. In the heavyweight division, both through the G1, he's worked with Zack Saber Jr. So, you know, him and Osprey, 
they had some really good chemistry. They really, really work well together because Tai Chi was really good with like solid strikes and stuff, and Osprey obviously still moving fast, the most heavyweights, but just they just seem to have that natural gel. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And fucking Osprey seems to be loving his strikes at the minute because they were just spattering the hell out of each other, elbows, like forearms to the back of the head, kicks. Fucking Buffy getting dropped his head with the dangerous driver. Everything like the fucking hidden blade to the front, like I said, always looks nasty. Then that pile driver that uh, the Osprey takes, which is a move used by uh, Taishi's mentor, which, where he grabs his arms as well and just drops to his knees. The Osprey head goes no protection right into the mat. And then, oh, the fun backstory that like Lenny Chris Charlton goes, oh yeah, he went to powerbomb somebody and he dropped them, and that's how the move was invented. Like, oh, that's 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 a fun story. <laughs> Actually, fucking brutal as well. Just like, ow. They started with the big moves and the strikes early, and they didn't stop for the whole 22 minutes until Osprey hits that front forbidden blade, that front hit, before he hits that uh, forbidden hidden blade. I keep, I keep going to say forbidden blades. I don't know why. <laughs> and my efforts to make up for it, I sound like a record that's fucking froze on the belt. Like, whoop, 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 whoop. Hidden blade, right to the face. And then Stormbreaker. I don't think he's won a match with Stormbreaker in a little while. But Osprey gets the win, which again made me sad. Maybe they are just four guys. Maybe they won't win much. <laughs> just four guys. Aye. Like I said, that went 22 minutes. But the main event of Naito taking on Chota uh, Umino went, well, they claim it was 32 minutes. For me, it was about seven years. It felt like Interstellar. I was there for 32 minutes, but in the time that I was there, 1,400 years have passed by. Zack Snyder's Justice League uh, felt shorter than this. And a lot of people have been given short a flack, and I'm trying not to, but this match did not need to be anywhere near as long. I joke, I joke to you, like it was a fun 15-minute match that was dragged over 30. That's it. it. Was this ties in with what we said earlier about Naito? Naito's great. I love watching Naito go. Naito can do good, great matches. He doesn't need every match to last forever, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think that after this announcement that he's going to fight great matter that he was going to lose the match anyway. I mean, Shota needs that first big loss, and I think this after the Osprey one was it as well. I definitely think come like next year he'll be like a top title contender or like for like the US or the Never Bell at some point, but this was not short his moment yet. I think he still needs some some building time. So of course also they're dragging this match out all the while you're like, I have no there's not a bone in my body that thinks Shota's gonna win this. That's I I when I looked at it I was like, Shota's came in, he's not beating Naito. Jay White came in, he didn't beat Tanahashi. It's, but Shota has potential just something fell off of this match but he's young and there's still so much more ahead of him mm-hmm. yeah totally so try not to be too harsh I mean I didn't like the Great Volcan at first and now look where we are Aye. whereas I was behind the Great Volcan from the start so you're all very welcome all hail oh you hipster I liked him before he was cool I liked him before he was cool get around y'all I, I was with it, then they changed what it was. Anyway, 
and now I don't know what it is. Next night, one of the first big matches was late night championship Sunday. They were calling it. I definitely preferred the Sunday night to the Saturday. We had TMDK unsuccessfully challenging Ushihashi uh, and Goto for the tag team titles. I mean, I was kind of, you can't figure that would happen, but still a hell of a match. Uh, the uh, according to Kevin Kelly, the the suplex that Shane Hayes delivers while he's being power bombed by Mikey Nichols. For extra emphasis, I was in that double team move is apparently, according to Kevin Kelly, called the Olivia Newton bomb. Oh my god, that is incredible! <laughs> Chris John protested as and be like, "Yes, it is. It's Australian. The Olivia Newton bomb." Uh, they only went fifty minutes, and I don't know. Even though they, there was a lot in this match when they finished happened, I thought, like, "Huh, I feel like the match only started a wee while ago." But all right. Oh, fun and games that. <laughs> it is. And then we got the TV title match with Zach versus Tomohiro Ishii, which went 14 minutes 33. So I thought about squeaky bum time right down to the wire when we Zach managing to get a win with the Zach driver. But on hell of a match, Jack, Zach pulling out the Techers, but Ishii showing he could pull out the Techers. Also, Ishii showed us he could deliver a sunset flip power bomb. Yeah. That was fucking mental. I know that gif has been going around like for ages, and I want to see more of this. Like, I know there's all sorts of challenges that could have this built, but the sooner we get another match between him and EC, the better, in my opinion. Why, definitely. Like, EC and Zach go back so far. So many great encounters. You just knew it was going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Right, how can it not be but Zach's backstage comments as well were so funny yet somehow so wholesome as well like him chatting with he was meant to give something to Fujita and then he's like oh sorry Japanese. I tend to talk a lot and gives him a big handful of beers like that are on the table like Shane and Mike are probably feeling down go, go give them some beer <laughs> and he thought about how he's he's no, how the title's changing strong style and everything. And then, because I hear people nagging, like nagging wise. But I probably shouldn't say that. That's sexist. Sorry about that. But he's talking about how these young guys, all these young guys, I'm a young whippersnapper. I'm still young, a young punk. This is my first time. So all you young guys, you want to step up to me, fucking earn it. And then he talks about going to potentially being at battle in a valley to defend the belt against someone from the LA dojo. Like, please, built up, LA dojo punks, you want to shot at me? Come on, I'll come to America, dickhead. Honestly, it's unreal, just the, the constant attitude. Everyone is a dickhead. Get in. Also, bad dude Tito, he's confirmed like you're still in TNDK, but we sound like an Australian slash British nickname for you, because bad dude, too Americanized. What about tough geezer, big geezer Tito? Or tough, he goes to see a seal like, car, can't say that. But that's what the Australians will probably call you. Oh God, it'd be so funny. But I, I really do actually imagine they actually just changed his name, even just for the one show. Speaking oh, of uh, factions, that, like other members, have you seen that United Empire won like the opening match? So it was like a man tag at the start of this second night, and then they were backstage talking about wanting all the belts. So they said we're out there, we're looking for uh, a guy, a uh, Joshi wrestler, to come join the United Empire so we can win the, the we can take the IWGP Women's Belt. 
And then they even talked about a stardom offshoot of, yeah, they were like a group of stardom wrestlers who could team as the United Empire in stardom. Like, basically like their version of NWO Japan to their NWO. Uh, this was fun. You know, if only there was ever a female member of the United Empire, I don't think they've ever, ever had a female member in us at all. That's it. Make it happen. Grow, expand, be a true empire. Absolutely. Yeah. Just don't make, just make sure we don't have a repeal until the actual first female member of the United Empire. And then after Lossy. Then in the, uh, the main event, we had Yo versus Hiromu Takahashi. Obviously, Hiromu was setting up for this big junior festival, so you don't, I don't think he was going to lose uh, the day of work before then. He's, like going, he's probably going like, to go into it as Jabby, which charged uh, 30 minutes. And the big summary I've heard from people saying about this match is it feels like Yo's finally arrived as a singles guy. And I think probably that teaming with Leo Rush for a little while has probably helped like, make him feel a bit fresh. Yes, it's... It's really helped them a lot there. This was the first time I can say that I was actually impressed with you in a singles capacity. Yeah, because like, they had a, like, an eight-man tag match a, a few days before this, and like, you was getting right in day, you were almost face afterwards, like trying to beat the piss out of them. He, he brought that book down to take the piss out of when uh, Hiromu used to bring that book out during like Super Juniors tournaments or whatever. And so he gave him a lot, and it felt like Roma had to give everything back. Like hit it, hit time bomb. That didn't work. Then had to go to time bomb too. Eventually, he's got to develop a time bomb. Three people are getting more resistant to this, but then again, he locks in the figure four or leg lock at one point as well. So, like, he didn't like win the belt, but he looked as good in defeat as you could do. Aye, that's definitely, definitely feels right on there with the with that kind of analysis on it. Let's face it, Roman is like, what? that's like the 93rd junior heavyweight champion. That belt has been around the fucking houses over the years. Apparently, I think the tag belt, the heavyweight tag belt, is actually the oldest. I think you'd be someone early the 96th and 97th champion. So we're getting close to the hundreds of that one. It's interesting. But before we go into looking ahead shortly to the shows that are coming up this weekend and uh, later on in, February, in the case of Battle in the Valley, a big story that broke. A few days before we were recording, Kota Ibushi has finally left New Japan after over a year of being active. All this controversy, him saying comments about him appearing at that Takataichi Mania show, or I think it was that, or just Tap Out show, which when you hear Takataichi's account of it, it seemed like Kota just did, did it deliberately try and get fired. And the hell of a mess, but he's back to being a freelancer again, and he's fighting Mike Bailey at Bloodsport at WrestleMania weekend. I honestly cannot fucking wait for that. That match is going to be all kinds of fucking awesome. I mean, it's it's, it's been a shame that we haven't been able to see like Ibushi properly in, like over a year. Like it felt like ever since the minute he won the the heavyweight title in the in the Aircoinel title, that's which should have been the high point led to like the downfall of Kota Ibushi in a lot of ways. But guys, you're freelancing, popping up in all different promotions, making a guy like Mike Bailey who's also been all over the place, but. What I'm interested in, I think a lot of people are, I think people are counting down the days to make an appearance in AEW. Yep. That's it. Make the magic happen. It, 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 it feels like it will happen. It feels it's just a matter of time. Yeah. 
and longer it takes for them to actually make it happen. What people like, why hasn't this happened yet? You want TK? Get your get your hun and your big your massive wallet. Well, you can pay him the money. That's it. Just just do it, TK. Give me the golden elite. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. But it was a big thing for him to finally leave because I think he actually prefers being a freelancer. So the man's forty years old, by the way, and he doesn't <laughs> look it. Looks better than I do, and I'm twenty six. That's, that's definitely no, no bad for him. Like I'm like, how, how the fuck is he? This is a man that doesn't even believe there's twenty four hours in a day. I think people don't realize. I think Taiji Shimori's pushing forty as well. Yeah, he doesn't fucking look at him. <laughs> Honestly, it's no fair. For a man that's been dropping his neck so many times. It's absolutely unfair. Hi, Taiji Shimori was born the tenth of February. 1983. So yeah, his birthday is in, is this Friday. He's going to turn 40 this Friday. And he's doing things I can't hope to do now. My knees are fucked even now, I'm 26. Absolute outrageous. Absolute outrageous. Do not, it should be illegal. Anyway, <laughs> let me run down the card for you for new beginning in a second. Only two real filler matches. Everything else has got something at stake or is it somewhat interesting? We got the first match is Aaron Hanari and Great Okan against Oscar Loibe and Toriano. And then at eight man tag we got Shoto Ubino, Honma, Tiger Mask and Taguchi against Bushi, Hiromu, Sanada and Naito. And then we get a series of matches like five out of these next six matches have member of Bullet Club in it. Uh, referred to by Kevin Kelly's Bullet Club or Bust. Uh, but because we got Master War, Vitaiji Shimori, Hiroshi Tanashi against Kenta. We got Narita, Desperado, and Suzuki against the House of Torch of the Six Man Belts. We got, which is by the way, when did they re, did they regain the tag, the Six Man Belts in like the summer of last year? I think it was. Maybe in the late summer, I don't know. Was, it, was that actually in Corgan or something like that? Because apparently this is only their second defense. Yeah, I think, it, I think it must have been that. Yeah, so House of Torch are defending the tag belt. Then you got Loser Leaves Japan, Higgleo versus Jay White. And then Tamatonga defends the never title against El Fantasmo. And I said it could be interesting for the future of Bullet Club. And then in the main event, the IWGB heavyweight championship, Okada defending against Shingo, who Shingo muscle teams try to get some sort of key OPW involvement, maybe a special stipulation for people to choose from for the IWGP match. Like, and Gabby's like, you think I'm going to agree to do that gimmick shite in my IWGP title match? He's like, no, this is be for the best wrestlers. So simple mode, I just find Okada, so thanks for that. <laughs> just ruin everything, damn Okada. <coughs> so we got that, then we got Battle in the Valley on the 18th. So, and on that, we've got uh, the winner of this that IWGP match against the uh, mystery opponent. Uh, a lot of rumors I've heard saying it might be Lance Archer, they'd like to see, but maybe they'll announce it after. The match in Osaka, so we've got an IWGB title match on the show. We've got a filthy rules fight, which is a no DQ match with the ropes removed between Homicide and Filthy Tom Lawler. Jay White versus Eddie Kingston. An eight man tie that'll put the DKC, Kushida, Kevin Knight, and Volador Jr. against Rocky Romero, Mascara Dorado, Adrian Quest, and Josh Alexander. Uh, the Machine Guns will defend the, the strong open weight tie titles for the third time against the 
uh, West Coast Wrecking Crew. We've got two kick matches, which are TR Crew versus Alex Coughlin and David Finley versus Bobby. Where's the lie? Fish. Uh, we've got the potential of the TV title being added, as I mentioned with Zach Taylor Jr. Got Kenta challenging Fred Rosser for the uh, strong open weight belt, and what the match that might be the main event is the IWGP Women's Championship match of Kyrie versus Mercedes Money. 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 Also, we've got that Noah card where there's some crossover, and then these two very stacked shows over the next week or two. I mean, it's not as bad as all the stuff we've had to talk about. We've been going on for a very long time, but it's the fact that they're not slowing fucking down. Yeah, they are really just fucking going for it. It's like, yeah, full pelt, full pelt, full pelt, even with the big strong changes. I know. I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> but uh, uh, looking at the schedule for New Japan, because after that they've got Fantastica Mini over in Japan, which I have zero interest in. <laughs> But uh, we will be back before the start of March to do an ex- another episode because we'll have to talk about Osaka, Battle in the Valley. I'm going to probably try and have us talk about some of uh, that pro wrestling no crossover show. Uh, and then the reason we can't can, uh, do a show like the first Tuesday of March is because also before the New Japan Cup will start, which will start on the Sunday, the 5th of March. So we're going to have to come back and probably do a preview for that if we've revealed the bracket that is. Because that will always make exciting time, the single elimination tournament. But what's weird about the New Japan Cup this year is that's on Sunday, March 5th. Then on the Monday is the anniversary show. And then the bloody, on the 8th, they're right back to the New Japan Cup again. It's like, what? This is confusing me. What? It's just confusion. I've been looking ahead on schedule. I think the winner of the the New Japan Cup will fight the IWG champion. They're bringing back Sakura Genesis. That will be on the 8th. Of April, so some big stuff going forward. And I was just looking ahead, to like Dontaku and Road to Dontaku and everything. Found this event they're having having on the twenty second of uh, of April, the Hiroki Goto twentieth anniversary event. The what? Yes. So here on New Japan's uh, schedule, it literally said Hiroki Goto twentieth anniversary event, April, Saturday, April twenty second. Fucking hell. That's, that's actually unreal when you think of that. Because, mm-hmm. like, I think he went on his excursion in like 2006 or something like that. Because I remember seeing him as a kind of a young boy next to Liger and like a on a TNA show from like 2006. And he definitely wasn't the Goto that we know. So, yeah, perfectly fucking Goto still going and raising young Yoshihashi as his own. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of like good strong single fathers taking the reins. I know we've just turned New Japan into fucking fathers so just by saying this guy's his dad and this is that guy's dad. As we all know, Shingo is ELP's daddy and will always be his daddy. <laughs> uh, outstanding. Outstanding. But yeah, so this weekend we got Osaka, we got Battle in the Valley, and we'll talk about New Japan Cup when we're next together. So hopefully it won't be won't take us as long next time, but I think a longer show was warranted, and probably I I, I can't be asked going to check in, but this might be the longest show we've ever done. At this rate, it probably is because I think we're just shy of two hours at the moment. Yeah, and I think we finally talked about everything that needs to be talked about. 
And I think I can sum it up in just a few words. A lot of bloody good wrestling this last month. Damn right. So much good wrestling. So, so much. Uh, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in New Japan Cup. Do they fucking go like nearly 50 odd people that like they've done the last couple of years or do they try and shorn it down a little bit? Who knows? Well, we'll be talking about the departure of Jay White. Only time will tell. But thank you for also to East Meets West. Uh, on the East Meets West, we keep podcasting feed. Make sure to follow us on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, give us a like, rating, review your platform of choice. This show is now on the first Tuesday of the month, unless something like the, like the Japan Cup coming up causes us to do an extra show. We've got a lot of battle of leeway there, but we've been one of the most consistent shows the new, that EAS has done. We've got shows going all the way back to late 2019. There you go. Uh, and we also got shows like ESR Feature every, also on a Tuesday. you got ESR Central, which actually went up yesterday. Uh, so, but usually it's maybe a Thursday. And you got Saturday Night Live, which actually goes to the day it's meant to, the Saturday, because it's in the title. We've got so much. Join it, like us on Facebook, our Facebook community page, join the conversation there. Uh, we've got our Twitter and Instagram, at like us on TikTok, if that's your thing. I'm not really into it, but if you're, if you're one of these young, hip kids that's into the TikTok, or I think so old. <laughs> but yeah. Them young kids on that, the TikTok there, hey. Eh? I like the PlayStation. Do you like the PlayStation? I like that rap music. <laughs> yeah, so make sure to follow us on all those platforms. Uh, I'm losing my voice here because I've been talking for too long. I'm just going to say thank you to Grant for joining me for another stacked episode. It's been a pleasure again. And, you know, give us a break, New Japan. Make it easier for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's all getting easier because we've got the next episode to preview a tournament. Then we're going to have a tournament to talk about the following one. And we, you and I know the tournaments do not stop. <laughs> They just keep rolling, 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 rolling. We're going to keep rolling on until we next see you. Bye-bye. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.